Seahawks 360 podcast, A4 Seahawks production. We look at the Seahawks from every angle every week. I'm your host, Candace Higgins. Now I'm Tino Ganasius. And we are here to talk the unfortunately final game of the Seattle Seahawks 2023-2024 season. So we had a lot to we had a lot to break down, really, because it really is about a lot to talk about, not just with the team and how the game went, but also just moving ahead and what this team um, can look like. But, you know, generally, Tino, I kick it off to you, but I don't know my chest today. Can I get that out first, Tino? Yeah. Five, five, hey, do you think? To you? Do you I, think? Do you I, think? I got to get my, my overall talking <laughs> thoughts here, man. And I, and I, I, I tweeted passionately. If you follow me on Twitter, it's sports mm-hmm. ethos or ethos Seahawks, then you, you kind of know sort of where I'm going. But man, this was a game that I just flat out don't think the Seahawks deserve to win. Man, I really don't. You just, you look at the stats and they got beat on first downs. They got beat on time of possession. Uh, time of possession, Arizona had 36 minutes to, I think, Seahawks uh, what, 23. Uh, they, just, they just got dominated on so many ends. Uh, ultimately allowed 206 rushing yards, which, you know, once the news that Jaron Reed was announced that he'd be missing, I kind of figured that they were going to get 200 yards, but they really got outplayed, I think, in every way. And ultimately, it was Arizona Cardinals. Yes, it came down to a final field goal attempt, but they'd also missed another field goal, if I'm not mistaken, in the game, too, that really would have, like, made the difference in the game. Um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, you know, but if I'm remembering that correctly, I know there was a fake field goal attempt, but also I thought that there was that that was successful for the Cardinals. I thought that they missed a field goal too that would have up the score made a difference. So I think really the Seahawks are lucky to say they have a winning season. And I think the fact that they can say they have a winning season is probably the most fluky of the year. Um, and I didn't feel that way last year when they, you know, Barely kind of squeaked into the playoffs. I think that game, I can't remember who their last opponent was last year. Uh, was it the? I don't remember. Who was, either. Who was it? I, I, I don't remember. Either. Last year, last year. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember who it was. It was a good game. I, I, I can't remember who who it was that they beat. Um, anywho, I, I remember that was a strong win, right? That was a win worthy of winning. You kind of hoped that they were going to get into the playoffs after that. You know, and this game was anticlimactic in every way. You found out, like, maybe in the third quarter at some point, towards the end of the third quarter, that the Packers had won and that the Seahawks weren't going to go to the playoffs anyway. Mm-hmm. They pretty much, you pretty, I pretty much resigned myself to the fact that they were going to lose this game. And then on the fluke play, they don't. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, I'll talk to you, Tino. I know I've talked enough, but man, um, I, I was actually not happy about a win for once. Right. So a couple things. Once, as you said, once Green Bay had won and we learned that, I think, what is it, late third, early fourth Mm -hmm. quarter, somewhere in there, I I stopped being interested in this game. I think the only interest I had in this game once once they lost was or once Green Bay won was I preferred the Seahawks to lose for draft position. Right. Mm -hmm. And because there was nothing else to gain from winning, I get that they want to continue the winning culture and all those sorts of things. So they had a winning season, but in my mind, there's as a fan, there's nothing to gain from, from a victory. Uh, Secondly, you know, I know that, that Pete preaches specifically when Russell was here, but he preaches, keep the game close. You know, we're better than the other team. We're mentally stronger. We can win the close games, but close games are not, always about whether you're better or not right a lot of times good seasons are are luck right some teams might go like eight no in close games or might go the next season two and six it's not necessarily a skill and so you see it a lot in baseball when there's 162 games you'll see it play out where a team will will have a great season and make the playoffs but a lot of it was just luck in terms of those close games and i think the seahawks to be playing four close games right to try to keep it close in the fourth you're playing with fire and i think that's part of why we see these 10 and 7 9 and 8 type of seasons all the time i want them to go and blow everybody out i want them to be dominant right and and that's not who they are right now i just so as far as the game yesterday yes i agree they were lucky to win 
I think that, you know, it was interesting online, you know, people were kind of coming around as far as Geno Smith goes, because so many stats said he was so great at the end of games this season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, while I tend to agree with that, I still think the question has to be asked, can Geno Sw- Smith win you a Super Bowl? And I think that question, while we s- said definitively no, the last time we talked, you know, I'm willing to consider if you're going to make the rest of the team great around him yeah, and you can have a great defense, I do think Geno Smith can win. But if you're not going to have a great defense, I, I, the answer for me is no. I also think because of his age, it's time to start thinking about the succession plan for him. Um, I think it's time to draft a quarterback, whether Geno Smith is your quarterback in 25 or not. Um, and the big thing that I keep going back to is, and we said it last week, you need an identity. You just, there is too much talent on this team to not have a defined identity as to who they are. And every single game it's, you know, are they going to, you know, he said, we're going to run you know, um, K nine a whole bunch this year, this game, right. Announcers said Pete Carroll came out and said that, and he got 17 carries and 17 carries in this day and age is a good amount of carries, mm-hmm. but like, are you, are you a running team? Are you a play action team? Are you multiple? Are you a screen team? Like, what is it that you do? And then defensively, the defense should be top five when you look at the talent and it's just not, it's just not. So I, again, with this particular game, I could care less once green Bay won, it's whatever to me, I'd rather you lose so that you get a better draft pick. But in my mind, I immediately went to who's the quarterback next year is Pete staying? And if Pete is staying, what are the coordinator and coach coaching changes that are on the way? Um, That to me, those are the biggest questions because I think even if you just drafted and kept the players that you had, I think this is a potentially with the right coaching, a very good team. This is a 12 and five team talent wise to me, not a nine and 18. Right. I I would They should be competing with the Niners for the division based on talent alone. Correct. Um, So do you, if we can move on, you know, what is your feeling in this moment about Pete Carroll? He has two years left on his contract. We know that at some point in time, Jody Allen's probably putting the team up for sale, but we don't know when yet. What do you, what does your gut say in this moment day after the final game of the 2023 season? 2023-24 season. Well, one thing I do want to point out is that we found out something interesting, I think, maybe right before the game, and that is that Pete Carroll's 2025 um, year is actually an option. Um, I can't club, remember club, club option or, or, or uh, that's what I was so trying to struggle to remember. I can't remember if it was a club option or a coaching option, but it's not. It's his contract is actually due to 2024. And then there's a question about what that option looks like. I think Phil Goats had an article on it earlier on Sunday, if you're trying to quickly look it up. Mm-hmm. But I do remember saying that it's not. So we all kind of assumed that they were just, you know, two years baked in. But that's not necessarily the case. So that could make things a little bit interesting. So that really is like contract wise, he's only on a contract officially for one more year. So um, that is that is a pretty interesting monkey wrench when you're thinking about the overall scheme of things. Unfortunately for me, I never really doubted that Pete Carroll was going to go anywhere as much as I advocate for it. And as much as I truly fundamentally believe it's needed, I just know Jody Allen as an owner and you can see her work with even the Portland Trailblazers, how they were ran into mediocrity, mediocrity until they had to eventually tank and then they got nothing for all those years of Damian Lillard and opportunity really is unfortunate. I've watched that enough to feel confident that like she wasn't going to make a move on Pete, even though, like I said, it really does need to be done. I think he does need um, some questioning. And, and I hate to be in this position because I'm all gloom and doom, man. I am. And I'm not, I'm, I don't think I've ever felt that way about this team because I've never been out on Pete, I guess, before. Like I've, I've always sort of been give Pete some time, you know, let's see where things go or other factors at play. Right. But year after year, we have continued to feel talented rosters. Right. And I loved the roster 
that they had. And that's why I say I'm gloom and doom because I don't see a world where, so the offense has been your strength. Realistically, let's be honest, about three years now, even in Geno's, I mean, even in um, Russell's final year that was really up and down, the defense still stunk. It was just, it was right. the offense that still was going to play or carry them or not. Um, and if you look at the last three years, I think they're some of the most talented they've been. The the acquisition of being able to get a Noah Fant in addition to a Will Disley made them, I think, the offense one of the deepest offensive teams we'll ever see. I don't know if they can acquire that level of talent back to have three tight ends that to be on it. Well, I don't know if Kobe can be a number. No, it's clear that Will Disley had been the number one and that mm-hmm. Noah Fett on another team had been the number one. So you really had mm-hmm. two number one tight ends on the same team where tight end had always been an area of weakness for this squad. Mm-hmm. You really had three wide receivers fully locked. And I know Robert Silver had been an issue depth-wise before, but this year they really rounded it out in, in a way that I thought was was almost, I mean, not unbeatable, but, I mean, it was really strong. Now, it turned out that the O-line was not as strong as we thought going into the preseason, mm-hmm. that, and that's unfortunate. But skill position-wise, they're going to have to drop off offensively. Like, I don't think they can keep that. They can't acquire the talent that, from what I understand, they're already $6 million over the cap mm-hmm. going into the year 2024. So that's depressing. <laughs> and then you think about the defense and all the changes that need to be made on the defensive end, and they really don't have the money. They're going to have to make some tough decisions on some veterans. They're going to have to let some people go who I think the fan base overall might like. Now, maybe they cut Jamal Adams. We'll see. Right. Who knows? I don't. I don't know. They've restructured his contract. I think they, I think I would have said yes, but they've restructured the contract in a way that I don't know. I don't know what they do there. I know they right. need to do something, but you don't have much optimism about that. You don't have much optimism about, they do have a fair, a fair arsenal of draft acqu- acquisition, you know, um, draft picks. draft picks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they, they did lost. They lost a second. Um, they have two thirds mm-hmm. instead of a second, not the end of the world, but, Still not a full arsenal the way that you want, especially given their cap issues right now. Mm-hmm. And then for me, there's Pete, who's still there. And 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 I tweeted this out. To me, it doesn't matter if they fire Clint Hurt. It doesn't really matter to me if they fire Shane Waldron, who I actually like, by the way, as a play designer. He really mm-hmm. just has some bad situational, I think, kinks that he needs to work out in terms of calling plays at the right time. He's still very young and it shows, I think. Um, I don't know if he'll progress in that area or not, but overall, like his plan, his play design, his play philosophy, and he has improved the offense in some ways that I didn't think, you know, we had been stagnant in for a few years. Screens, especially, shout out to him for screens. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And bringing that back. But, um, man, I don't, those things don't matter because those guys have to abide ultimately by the philosophy of Pete Carroll. Right. They do. They I, can't just go rogue. That's not how it works. So I I'm gonna zag a little bit. I think, you know, I've had I get I probably I assume that the Seahawks weren't gonna make the playoffs. And so I've had about a week to think about Pete Carroll and my and formulate my own opinion as to what uh what will happen. And you know, I think for one, I think for me as a fan, at least he's earned the right to coach the Seahawks until he's done. And I think that's part of that is just, he, he did win a Super Bowl, And I think that's something that I, I want to honor. Right. And you know, he's never going to voluntarily leave. Right. Well, I think he leaves after 25. I don't think he does. <clears throat> I think he leaves after 25 and then not voluntarily. Well, it'd be 74 at that point in time. Right. And care. <laughs> And secondly, <laughs> secondly, you know, I did like the fact that John Snyder came out and said, you know, we have to make major changes internally. Right. We're looking at I don't remember the exact quote, but it was basically I'm a clean house and this isn't acceptable. And I think that's that's what I want to hear from a GM who doesn't make the playoffs. That's what I want to hear from a GM who thinks that the team has underachieved based on the talent he put on the field. And I think that, you know, while it was probably a joint decision or primarily Pete's decision as to who the coordinators were, 
I think maybe John Schneider makes more of that decision for Pete and says, if you want to stay, I'm going to be more involved in helping you choose the coaches. Right. And I think that's a big, big decision to make. And I think it's a really influential decision um, with this particular team at this particular time. So the ability to choose coordinators and and choose your staff is something that head coaches typically want. And I think that Pete Carroll has proven with Sean Desai and obviously Gus Bradley and the whole lineage that he has some ability to do that, but I think he's fallen off. And I think it is time for John Schneider to be more involved with the choice of coordinator. I, I personally like Shane Waldron. I think, as you said, so eloquently, I think that uh, the, the Pete, that he, Pete Carroll meddles a bit and with the play calling and doesn't allow for Waldron to really open up and do what he truly wants to do. Um, I do think offensively they're going to really need a, a more defined identity next season. But to me, the whole issue is the defense. And whether you like Clint Hurt or Clint Hurt or not, I almost said Clint Hurdle, who was a, a baseball player in the 90s. Uh, whether you like Clint Hurt or not, there has to be change. I think there has to be wholesale changes on the de- with the defensive scheme and with the coach. And whether Pete wants to do that or not, if I'm John Schneider, I'm saying – I gave you so many resources on defense to, to make this defense better. And you've proven over the last couple of years that you haven't, I'm choosing a coordinator. You and I are talking about scheme. You know, the NFL has passed you by to a certain extent with regards to NFL scheme, but I believe you have the intelligence to figure this out. I'm going to be more involved. I'm going to help you choose a coordinator. We're going to do this together. And we're going to put out there a much better defense in 24 than we have in 23 to me. If the Seahawks stand pat, don't sign a big free agent, they're able to maneuver the cap in a way to keep most every player that they have. I think, you know, you could see, I think Lockett is up, if I'm not mistaken. No, he was extended. He, he is extended. Okay. So yeah, they, got, they did a restructure with him also in the offseason. So his dead cap got, is, is higher if they cut him. Great. So you've got essentially the same offense coming back, with, with except you're for Disney, right? Your tight ends, you're missing no offense. You're missing uh, well, Kobe Parkinson. I think he's on his fourth year. I think they're all free agents. If I, I could be, I could be wrong, but I think they're all free agents. If well, I'm not mistaken, if nothing, if there was else. one, if there was one position on the offense that I think could be replaceable, it's tight end. I we've I, said I, that, but we've seen some rough tight end years, man. One hundred percent. I mean, we said it. One hundred percent. But I, you know, I think that the identity is going to help to define, you know, what kind of tight end you want, right? Because Disley was a blocking tight end. Fant is a pass catching tight end. Do you, what, what do you want your tight end to do? And it's a position where I don't think they have to invest a ton of resources. So yeah, I guess what I'm getting at is you can take the talent that's there. You know, you might fill in with a, a new tight end, right? You might, we might see Leonard Williams get too expensive, that sort of thing. We might see some changes, but not a ton, but bring most of this team back. Talent is not the issue. Defensive coaching to me is the issue. And I don't know to lay that at Clint Hurt's feet or Pete Carroll, but I think with the good defense or a better defense, I should say, and a similar offense with another year of Smith and Jigba's development, another year of, Charbonnet understanding the NFL better, another year of, you know, a, a healthy Charles Cross year, right tackle has to be addressed. But in my mind, when I look at that, this is, like I said, this is a 12-win team. Talent-wise, this is a 12-win team. And I'm not, I'm disappointed in this season, but I do not think that wholesale changes are needed. And I think it's a be careful what you wish for, because there are a lot of coaches out there who are a lot worse than Pete Carroll, right? I know that he hasn't met our expectations the last couple of years, but I've also seen some horrible across sports, horrible coaches come in to replace legends. And you wish you had that legend back, even if that legend is winning, you know, nine, 10 games instead of 12, 13. Um, I did pull up sport track just now. And it's interesting that uh, 
all the linebackers, all the inside linebackers are basically free agents. So yep. Wagner, Bush, yep. Brooks yep. are all, I wonder if they completely overhaul that, that position next season. Maybe you bring back Wagner, but you bring in two young. They, they won't bigger. repeat. I assure yeah. you they're going to resign Brooks. They love Brooks. <sighs> they're going to resign Brooks. They love him. I, don't, I think, and I think that Pete's already said he wants to bring back Bobby. You, okay, so Sport Track, who I trust as far as value and contracts go, you know yeah. what the calculated mark, market value is for Jordan Brooks next season? What's that? $13.8 million per season. Mm-hmm. That's about right. That's about right. Yep. You better bring in a, a, a second safety to pair with digs that can actually cover then because somebody's going to have to cover running backs. And that's why it, it ain't going to be those linebackers. That's that's why I'm frustrated, man. That's that's why I'm so gloom and doing about the season because it all comes back to Pete, man. Like, I know that they're going to make certain free agent decisions based on Pete's philosophies. Pete, Pete's not going to let go of Jordan Brooks. They're not just going to let him walk. I mean, he did have a good year. Now, I think that he had a good year on purpose. It's a contract year. I don't, I don't think you can expect the same production out of him. If you resign him, to be quite honest, I'm not sure he would ever earn that contract truly. Um, I, I'm willing to bet you. What should we bet? I'm willing to bet you that they let Brooks walk in part because I think John Schneider gets involved. I bet you they re-sign Wagner to a similar contract as last year. He made five and a half million last year. I bet you he signed for one year, five million this year. Mm-hmm. And I bet you they let Brooks walk. And I bet you they bring in bigger, like more, like I talked about, more lean, longer inside linebacker to play with Wagner. I'm willing to bet you some. You tell me what we're betting. I don't know. I'll, I'll think of something. I'll, I'll <laughs> think on. I got, we got all off season, but I think they, I think they bring them both back, but I do think they draft somebody. I do think John, will draft another guy. I don't think they're going to bring the Devin Bush back. I think they wanted to draft somebody last season. This wasn't as high as a priority. They're going to draft someone this season, hopefully who can cover this offseason, who can hopefully cover. But I still think that it's going to be a problem because when you're on the peak, there are certain trends that will remain the same. That's why I say this. Uh, to your point about there being horrible coaches out there, you are 100% correct. Mm. I am I am willing to be bad, to find the right coach to get them over the hump instead of being stuck in nine and eight purgatory for the next four four to five years. Mm -hmm. Like to me, you waste so many, so many rookie contracts, so many opportunities. I mean, I understand it. And I think Pete will be like, I, you you think I hate Pete, but it took me a long time to get to this point, Mm -hmm. but I think I am just resigned to there's only going to be so much change. We've seen complete overhauls. The year they hired Clint Hurd and hired Shane Waldron, we've seen them clean house, get rid of all of the personnel, get rid of all of the... We've seen a clean house before. We, mm-hmm. we have. Like three years ago, two years ago, when they got rid of Russ, like they entirely cleaned house. And guess what? It still sucked. Like there were still the same issues. There weren't even new issues. I think I would like even new issues at this point, I'd rather like struggle with something else instead of struggling for the same thing that they've struggled with for the last five years. And granted, I suppose the change in struggle, you could argue your devil's advocate is a change in not being able to stop the run instead of not being able to stop the pass. Whereas under Ken Norton Jr., everybody was passing on them and felt no need to run. Now people run on us and feel no need to pass. So I guess that's changed. But Pete is his philosophy is never to take on any one person's defensive philosophy. He likes to pull different things from and other different elements to make his defense his own. And it never works. It just doesn't. I mean, it doesn't fit your personnel. Prime example. I've, I've argued with people about this on Twitter. Bobby Wagner, who looked pretty bad at times this past season, mm-hmm. started off strong. Then he looked really bad. Mm-hmm. Why? Because he was constantly put in coverage situations. Well, mm-hmm. why does he have to be on the field for 100% of the snaps? P. Carroll? There's no other reason. Like, there's no reason Bobby has to be on the field on every defensive snap at his age. And yet, they continue to put him in that position 
having after having seen him a year, what right. what not having him play 100 percent of snaps does for him in the trajectory of a whole season, what taking him out of coverage situation does for him and what he can provide for you. You saw it. You had the film. You had the blueprint that Sean McVay made for you and you intentionally chose to ignore all of it and go back. And so now the fan base is like Bobby's cooked. I guarantee you if Bobby goes somewhere else, he's going to look just as great as he did when he was with the Rams and people are going to want him back because it's all about how you use him. Right. It's it's frustrating. He needs to be used in, you know, what you assume to be running situations. And I don't think there's a whole, I don't think there's a whole lot of other situations where he should be out there. I, the only argument I think one could make is blitzing. Well, also, I think that he we've talked about this. He does have an impact in getting at least the front seven situated and in the right positions. I don't think we saw the missed gap assignments that we saw last season or two seasons ago this season. I think that he is very good at being the defensive quarterback and he understands. Right. But I think you're right. There's there's an amount of stubbornness there that doesn't that really does hurt the team. Um, and I, so, okay. So I have two other things that with regard to contracts, um, one is we'll stay on the defensive side for now. Leonard Williams, obviously they want to resign him and gave up resources to, to get him. He was, and he was this year's $21 million was his, was his contract and his average annual salary, according to sport track is, $14.8 million. That's what they assume he's going to sign like a three-year $45 million contract on uh, the open market. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, I'm going to argue based on where they are in the cap, I'm going to argue they have to make a decision whether it's going to be Williams or Brooks because you can't afford both based on your cap situation. Right. In my mind, the way that Brooks gets burnt in coverage the way that inside linebacker has changed in the NFL and the impact that Leonard Williams had on that line, I'm re-signing Leonard Williams 10 out of 10 times. And I don't think, I think I trust John Schneider with his decision-making with personnel to see that, right? I get what I, I totally understand what you're saying about the loyalty to, to players like Brooks I get what Carroll said, what, you know, Pete Carroll might say behind closed doors about Jordan Brooks. I don't think that stuff flies anymore. I think, as you said, there's enough mediocrity over the past couple of years to say, that's not your decision anymore, Pete. We're re-signing Leonard. We're letting Brooks go. We feel like that position is a bit fungible. We can find somebody else. We're certainly not paying him $15 million a year. Leonard Williams is coming back. So for me, that's one decision I think that they're going to have to make. And then interestingly, on the offensive side, I see here Phil Haynes, Evan Brown, and Damian Lewis are all up this season or after this season. So the three starters on the interior of your offensive line are free agents, right? We know Bradford takes one of those positions. Yeah. We think Oluwatimi has earned probably earned the right to take the other position at center. I have not watched him enough, but I would assume that's probably what they're thinking. I'd, I'd want to bring in some competition for him and probably some vet competition personally. Okay. Yes, I agree with that. So that's a good call. And then Damian Lewis is up. Damian Lewis's projected annual salary is seven and a half million dollars. And I, I like Lewis personally. I think he's played. He hasn't developed, taken that next step that I think we, we all thought he could have yeah. or might have, but I don't think he's a liability. And, and so that's going to be another interesting thing though, is really the only, the only two players set on that line going into 25 into 24 is, uh, or are, uh, cross and Bradford. Right. And so, and and Lucas, who is a real question mark health. That's that's why I didn't name him. I didn't name him because we don't know the way his injury sounds. We don't know. He might retire, right. A medical retirement based on, you know, what's going on with, with his injury. So I'm not, what I'm saying is I'm not counting on him. If I'm going into the draft or free agency, I'm not assuming Abe Lucas is my right tackle because I think that's a recipe for disaster. But then they have to account for that 
in their decision contracts. I agree with you, but I think you have to, you have to acknowledge it because then it's just one more spot you have to feel. Because now at first we just said they needed a backup, a better backup right tackle. Now they need two, the starting caliber and a a quality backup because you really don't know. This Abe Lucas thing is one of the weirdest things I think I've come across is the Chris Carson injury. And I don't, that doesn't make me feel great. Right. Um, Yeah. There's just, there are a lot of, so one more thing, when I look at these personnel decisions and I look at this team and I look at who's a free agent this season, I actually am pretty comforted. I think there's, there could be a lot, there are teams that are going to have a lot more important decisions to make. I think with, with the Seahawks going into 24, it literally is, what are you doing with your offensive line? And are you re-signing Williams or Bush or Williams or Brooks, excuse me. And there's not a whole lot else, right? You got Daryl Taylor. No, you need your tight ends. You definitely need to upgrade your edge group. Well, at tight end though, there's, I think, I I think think that Parkinson is the only one who's a, who is a true free agent this season. Um, No no offense should be a free agent. Let me see here. No offense. And Will Disley, I thought. Both oh, all I'm seeing is Parkinson, but I'll keep looking. I'm going to look at their contracts. Because um, I know Disney signed an extension, but I was under the impression that extension ended right. in 2024. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Um, no, you're right. Okay, they do have this for one more year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and a big no fan. Here, right? It's like $8 they, million, I think. Did they extend fan? No, they didn't. No, they but... Didn't. I'll keep looking here, but I guess the point is just that they spent is a free agent and Colby is a free agent. They still have Will Disley for one more year. Got it. Yeah. So So you're going to, you're going to either resign Fant or you're going to be looking for a pass catching, a pass catching tight end basically. Yeah. I think, I think more than likely, I think they maybe try to reacquire Colby perhaps. And then Mm -hmm. maybe they draft somebody. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think they let Fant walk. I don't think they can afford to, they got other decisions to make, but I guess that's what frustrates me the most. You look at the free agent list and you see optimism. For me, I just see they're going to have to work super hard just to maintain the same level of talent. Not We're not talking about really making any improvements. Mm-hmm. There's no real room to improve. You're just trying to not have a huge drop-off talent-wise. Because you're already over the cap. So you're going to have to make some really tough decisions just to basically stay afloat on a team that I do think needs some upgrades personnel-wise in certain positions. Mm-hmm. See, that's, I, what I, leads I, me, that's what leads I, me discouraged. See, I, I, one, I trust – well, one, I think that, that salary cap in the NFL is flimsy, meaning – not you, know, with John you see well, you see New Orleans every year is like 20 million over the cap going into the offseason and somehow they acquire a bunch of players. Right. But that's not John Snyder. creative. That's not John Snyder. We know that but they have to. But they all have to change. Right. If they're going to be good. The other thing is John Snyder has proven to be such a good GM with regards to drafting that I trust him to infuse this team with talent through the draft every single year. I think that's the bad, the thing that he does best. And while we don't have the number five pick overall, I do think that, that that's something that we can count on with him to make this team better. I do, th- I do think we'll see people cut that we don't expect to see cut because of, because they are close to the cap. I don't know who those players are off the top, off the top of my head, but I do expect to see some of that. Um, but it's, I don't know. I, I'm maybe it's just my disposition, but I'm I feel optimistic about what this team can accomplish, even with the same GM and the same coach as they've had all these years. The talent is there. It, it, it takes a tweak. You need a you need a bad defensive coordinator who can come in and motivate these guys and say, "This is my scheme. This is what we're doing, and we're going to go out there. And we're going to be aggressive. We're going to dominate. We're going to play man. We're going to blitz." Our edges are going to be are going to be great again, and give me a safety I can cover. Right, hurt literally quite literally said that in his introduction press conference. So the problem is you can say that all day long, and if Pete Carroll says 
no, actually, I, we need to mix in these philosophies. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like you could come in and say, this is my plan. This is what we're doing all day long. And if Pete says we're, we're a zone team, you need to implement more zone in your strategy. And let's try to get fired. Guess what you're going to have to do? Implement more zone. And I just, that's what continues to, to discourage me because we've heard all of that before you bring in somebody with new ideas and they're going to be more aggressive and they're going to play more press. And they even, even acquired the personnel to match that philosophy. That's why I know it's just Pete. John Snyder recruited the personnel to match what Clint Hurt was saying. So right. you'd be more aggressive so you can have more man, man coverage. Right. And guess what they do? The opposite of what the personnel was acquired for, which to <laughs> me speaks to a disconnect between the GM and the coach. He's doing his own thing. It doesn't matter what they give him. He's doing his own thing. Right. He's sticking to his philosophies and he has adapted in some ways. I'm not going to say he hasn't made any changes. That would be untrue. He has adapted and he's grown in certain ways, but they're marginal. <laughs> and the the core of the issues don't actually change. And so I, I feel here's what's going to happen. I feel we're going to look up at the end of the going to training camp. Mm-hmm. And I think that Last year's roster would have just been better. I don't think there's going to be any debate. I think by the time they finish having to shave off some talent to reacquire some of the same talent, I think your overall roster talent drops. Period. Because you're going to have to get rid of somebody to make room to even float. And yeah, they could have some good draft picks, but then you're at another season where you're banking on rookies. That's never good. It's never good to be yes. in a season where you're banking on the rookies. Agreed. So then I'm not going to be more optimistic about the offseason if the best case scenario is banking on rookies. I think they free up more money than we think. I think you're going to see players like Adams, Brooks, Mario Edwards, right? I forgot about him. Is he a free agent? Yeah. Yes. Dang it. I see- like him. I do too, but I'm but you but you can upgrade there, right? I think you're going to see those types of players go, and I do think that you know who they, and then you're going to get Nwosu back, which I think really does change the complexion of the defense. It does, and sure. so I also think that that it, the way it sounded, at least after this game, that John Schneider really is going to say to Pete, "This isn't your choice anymore, right? This isn't." We're not going to bring in a new coordinator and have you implement the same, you know, BS that you have been because it's not working. We, our team is too good to be nine and eight. So if you want to come back next season, right, you're going to have to abide by more of the ideas that other people are putting forth. I really think that's what's going to happen. That's the way it sounded at the end of this season. And I think Pete is, I know we talk about how stubborn he is. I think he's smart enough to understand that what he's doing isn't working. I really do. I, I, and maybe I'm putting too much trust in him. Maybe I'm putting too much into the kind of person that I think he is, but I think he has the the ability to be open-minded enough to understand that he's made mistakes, right? I think they would have had they not won the game. But if you listen to Pete's post-presser, He's pretty pleased. I, Overall, I also would say he probably says one thing behind and in, in, you know, in a press conference and may feel differently behind closed doors. Right. And I don't know. I it's I'm not sure Pete's ever been as much of a and I felt this way for some time. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure he's ever prioritized. Yes, he wants to win another championship. I think he for that, but you know, mostly because of how the last one went down. Mm-hmm. But I also think he cherishes winning so much that he's more than fine with regular season wins. Right. He's not a guy that would sacrifice regular season wins at all for the greater good of being the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Any win he can get, he'll take and he's happy with. And I think that's what keeps them complacent because he's fine nine and eight. You like, sure about that? You think he's fine nine and eight? I, I I do. I think I think he's fine. I mm. think he's fine. I think he's more fine than most. I'll say that. Now, I'm sure some part of him do, thinks that they could be better. Mm-hmm. But I also think. He just wants to win. 
And technically he did. So he's a, he still, you know, keeps putting out there winning seasons, right? He right. can't say he lost the season. And I think that's going to be of some value to him more than others. I think um, he's, she, she said things over the years that I just feel like sort of imply winning is, is important to him, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure that I've heard him talk about winning at all as much as winning each game and treating that game like the championship game. Right. See, see, so, okay. You, I, I, you may very well be right. And if you are right, then I want a new coach because that's not, I want a coach that's upset. You know, you need to stay steady, right? And you need to steer your team, but I want a coach that's upset with every loss and a coach that wants to win a Super Bowl every year and is upset and obsessive when they don't. And if that's not who Pete Carroll is at 72 years old, right? If he's content with the nine and eight season, then I want a new coach that goes for every sport for me as a fan. Yeah. If he's more content that I'd like him to be. I, and I, I know he doesn't like losses. Period. He don't he doesn't like those. Right. But again, I think that's within the spectrum of a regular season. Right. So like mm-hmm. I think he'd also be fine with 12 and five. And if they went home in the first round, he'd be good with that too. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's really the same like thing where it's, he doesn't like, I, I have no question that he doesn't like, he hates losing. He does. But I don't, just don't think he prioritizes the top. You don't hear Pete Carroll talk about, you hear him talk about treating every game like a championship, but you don't hear him talking about getting to the championship. Sure. Right. And I think that means something. I do too. I, I there's, if, if that's the case, though, that that means that there's some fire missing. Right. That means that despite his, you know, his antics and his excitement, that there's something that's not quite there. Like I look at Mike Tomlin, who granted is a much different age, mm-hmm. but. I look at Tomlin and I think, you know, he's still very much motivating the team and very much invested in winning and not happy when they don't make the playoffs. Right. I, there's you, you can't be a coach in any major sport without wanting to win every game. Yeah. It's just, and even if, if you don't feel that way a hundred percent publicly, I want you to come across that way. Right. Like, right. right. And I think that might be some of the frustration people have with Pete is he's not, when you're not winning big, that doesn't, you know, it does. It doesn't sit well with people, right? Um, I don't know. I think this is going to be a super interesting off season for the team. Um, more interesting than probably any of the last maybe eight outside of the off season where where Russell Wilson gets traded. Um, I think it's a fork in the road. Off-season. It is yes, perfect. It's a fork in the road because I, I feel like last off season was. I mean, it was really exciting. Last off season was just super exhilarating. You were excited about everything. All the opportunities mm-hmm. were on the table, and it just seems like that's flipped on its head. Mm-hmm. And like they make one wrong move, and this thing goes downhill. Like right. it really seems like every transaction that they make is going to be critical in determining their long term success because they do have mm-hmm. as young as this team is. They have a good mix of veteran contracts that they're locked into. It's not like it's a full rebuilding team. Mm-hmm. They they have to make some tough choices. Uh, Seahawks. 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 <laughs> Let me ask you this. I, I we didn't we hadn't talked about this yet. And I'm mm-hmm. curious to get your take. It was something I personally was passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, so after the game, mm-hmm. the team is celebrating. Um, they got cigars in and the according to the team. They were celebrating the birth of uh, Julian Love's baby, mm-hmm. not the season. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? You may not. I have thoughts on that, but you might not have any thoughts on that at all. You know, I do. I think the younger me would have said, what are they doing? You didn't win nothing. Like you're not in the playoffs. Why are you celebrating? Like, you know, you should be, and I would say this to my own daughter, you know, and I have, 
she was she was a softball star. You know, she's 21 now and applying to law school, which is awesome. But she was a superstar and she'd go three for four. And I'd ask her why she got out with that one out, even though she was hitting 750. And so, you know, the criticism that they received for that is I understand where it comes from at this age for me. I think. I don't know what their bodies go through, you know, being an NFL player. I, my understanding is it feels like you're in a car accident every week. Mm. Um, you, they've dedicated their lives to this. I think the idea of getting through a season and, and saying we made it through is I'm not going to hate on that. That wouldn't be me. Right. I wouldn't choose to, to celebrate that if that's indeed what they're celebrating, but who am I to say that they shouldn't, um, and if they're celebrating Julian, the, the birth of Julian Love's kid, that's, you know, that's not our place either. So my take is the younger me would have been critical, um, assuming that they were celebrating the end of the season. Uh, the older me says, if that's what you choose to do, um, that's on you. If I was a, a defensive back for the Seahawks, I probably wouldn't do the same thing, but I'm not. So you do you. Yeah, I, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. And I say I don't like it because of a couple of reasons. Mm-hmm. One, one, it was on the back of Tariq, Tariq Willis. I don't know if you saw he or caught his like celebration, his like grabbing his crotch celebration there at the end of that uh, sure. field goal, which I just thought, I mean, that had me, you know, I mean, you <laughs> got literally run over all game and then <laughs> to win on a fluke yeah. play. And then you just want to act like you just did I just I hate the I guess I'm concerned about the man the because it was coupled with that I think from I was already upset about seeing Tariq Woolen do that and I've seen them do that before where they're like chippy and like talking on second down and like yeah I got you before and then you let you give up third down and you get right so so it's been this pattern for me of like do we really have the right mindset here of picking and choosing when we like when we celebrate and then when it really matters, then you come up short, but you want to talk a bunch of crap leading right. up to it. So, so that's, I will admit that it wasn't just the cigars for me. It's like, I've been seeing this all season and it sort of just made me wonder like, where, what is the headspace of these people, of these players? Like, I just don't feel like that's the fundamental right thought process. And so then I see them celebrating in the locker room mm-hmm. and yeah. All right. It's for the kid. The kid was born in December on um, December twenty third. Like, right. if they were genuinely like celebrating the birth of the child, he was born before Christmas. Do you so, like, do you think they're like we're not going to smoke a cigar until after the season? Do you think yeah. they're, they're that that focused like on their bodies and whatnot? Maybe, maybe, maybe. Ha- but then, if you're going to wait, mm-hmm. why not get out of the locker room? Because because I, I I think they should celebrate. I think almost from when I I mean I'm not. I've never been on a football team. Obviously, I'm a girl. But like from what I understand about sports in general, there is a time where you go have a end of season party at one of the players homes and mm-hmm. you cook out and you yeah. celebrate yeah. and you smoke cigars. And so I guess my question is, if you waited from December 23rd, why wouldn't you do that then? Not saying mm-hmm. they send them celebrate what they've accomplished. They're healthy. They right. made it through a season. You're 100 percent correct. Like just being healthy is a reason to celebrate. And that's why I don't really knock people, knock the Quandre Diggs, like forever grateful tweet after every every game. And I I get where he's coming from because I think for him, he's just celebrating health, if right. nothing else. Like that doesn't that doesn't bother me. It's not, it's a very violent sport. So, but you, 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 you barely See, won. <laughs> and you just uh, found out you're not going to the playoffs. Right. And so the timing couldn't be worse at if nothing else, the timing couldn't be worse. Right. Like uh, the the Tariq Woolen cross grab. I don't. I don't know when Marshawn does it. It's cool when Reek does it. Marshawn it's ran over folks, man. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Favorite tied for the fate. My favorite probably Seahawk of all time, Kurt Warner. I get it, but you know players are doing all kinds of stuff that I don't quite understand all the time. For me, it's, you know, did you play well? Did you not play well? And, you know, the case, like you said, the case could be made that he did most, not. Most games this season was not as physical as he needed to be. Right. And so doing all that at the end of the game, the end of the last game. Yeah, I don't I don't feel it. But 
players are always doing stuff like that, that I don't necessarily, again, I'm at that age where I just say, Hey, like this different generation, y'all going to do what you do. As long as you play well, you know, that's fine with me. I didn't. Right. I agree with you. Critical. I would be me. I'm critical of how he didn't play well, whatever he chooses to do as far as, you know, the rest of his, his on field and off the field, that's on him. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's it doesn't sit perfectly with me all of that because they were nine and eight because they're not a playoff team. Um, but what matters to me more than anything is is that they come out next year angry and and better, right? That's that's kind of what it comes down to. And I think also think that fans are looking for something to be frustrated with because the team underperformed. And so when you see something like that, it becomes a big target for fans to, to, you know, to be upset about. And I think there's, I understand that they're frustrated. You spent all year rooting for this team and this team let us down big time. Yeah. Big time based on the talent. That's fair. They definitely got a lot of questions to answer for. And um, maybe you're right. And there are more paths to what, what, what would, I guess in your best case scenario, Mm-hmm. A successful offseason, realistically, mm-hmm. would lead to what outcome? A playoff win? Next season? Yeah. Like, let's say they, they have, they do all the right moves, you know, in your book, whatever that looks I like. Think, I think this team, with literally just a couple of moves, I think this team is competing for the NFC West, and I think the winner of the NFC West is conceivably the number one seed in the NFC. I think that's how much talent this team has. That's how much top end talent this team has. I really, I believe that. I believe that DK Metcalf has the talent to be a top five, top three wide receiver in the NFL. I believe Charles Cross, despite his struggles this season, has the talent to be a top five left tackle in the NFL. You get last year's Geno Smith. You've got two very like above average running backs with different styles. You've got an up and coming, incredible wide receiver, too, in Jackson Smith and Jigba. You re-sign Leonard Williams. You have Jaron Reed, right? That's the beginnings of a well, very- You got to resign him, too, don't you? Mm-hmm. Wasn't he on a one-year? Jaron? I didn't see Jaron on the on the um, free agent list. Oh, they must sign him to two. Oh, you're right. I think they did sign him to two. And then you have Nwosu coming back, coupled with Mafe, right? You have to change middle linebacker. You have to figure out who's replacing Jamal Adams. I still trust Quandre Diggs. He might be slowing down a touch, but he's so smart on that back end. And you've got probably the best cornerback tandem in the NFL if Reek Wollen comes back in his, his rookie year version and not this year's version. I don't think it takes much. I really don't. And But the biggest thing, like we said, is philosophically, they have to define who they are and they have to have a defensive scheme that works in present day NFL. If those things happen, I believe they are competing with the San Francisco 49ers for the NFC champ, the NFC West championship at the end of the 2024 season. I don't. And then you're, you're supplementing, you know, your inside linebacker may come from the draft. It might be one of those third round picks, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to have to figure out what's going on at right tackle. You have to figure out the interior line. Who are you resigning? Who are you not resigning? You're going to have to find a pass catching tight end to replace Noah Fant if you don't resign him, right? Yep. You have to let Jordan Brooks go. Leonard Williams has to want to come back on the terms that you give him, right? There's a lot of things that have to fall into place, mm-hmm. but they're things that are that are feasible. We're not talking about, you know, we're not talking about having to find an elite player at every one of these positions. It's just, you have to make the right decision four or five different times. And, but the, again, it goes back to Pete. It goes back to Pete. It goes back to that D coordinator job. It goes back to defining who you are offensively. The offense is fine right now, but are you, what kind of offense are you? What are you going to do? What are you known for? What are you hanging your hat on? I still can't say it after 17 games. I can't say who the Seahawks are. That's an issue, yep. but, the talent, but the talent is there. I would rather root for a team that has the talent and is trying to tweak than a team that doesn't have the talent and is struggling, you know, is, is like the, the seven and 10 team 
that's not picking in the top three and doesn't have the talent to get there. I think that the Seahawks are still in a very enviable place, but they have to make the right decisions. They must make the right decisions this offseason or else it's disaster. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I agree with a lot of you, a lot of your a lot of your perspective. I it's hard for me to feel that way. And it's probably just cynicism of seeing so many off seasons butchered um in the past, especially when it comes to this stage. Mm-hmm. I think I trust John Snyder in a rebuilding phase. I think he does great with that. I think mm-hmm. there have been legitimate questions about making the right decision when it comes to what gets you over the hump. Mm-hmm. They seem to John himself has seemed to struggle with that. And he's going to have to prove that he's overcome that hump because it's a different mindset than what it was two off seasons ago. Even it's very different. Um, and we know it's hard, especially in terms of who you keep and who you let go. They tend to be more emotional with that type of thing and, right. and, and value loyalty. And yep. that tends to lead them to make some pretty tough decisions that they end up having to wear for a long period of time. And I think it's those things that sort of prevent me from seeing it as optimistically. Really, it's just cynicism. I don't disagree with any of your points. They're all very good points because they do. I strongly believe in the talent on this roster. I really do. I think they just need to be put in the proper position on both sides of the ball. Yeah. Um, I think all around, I think there's still room for the, for the talent to grow because there are some young pieces that you're, that you're building around mixed in, like I said, with a good group of veterans. So I, I feel like the roster was balanced, but I just, I don't trust that they're going to make the right. Um, <laughs> I think that their loyalty is going to prevent them from making the, the really, the, the tough decisions that they need to make, like letting Brooks go. Uh, but it's a huge deal if they can do some of those things. I think if they can let him walk and sign Leonard Williams instead, it's absolutely the right way to go. It's just like you said, in the, in the modern NFL, the D line matters more than these interior than these inside linebackers. Mm-hmm. And I really do think they need some younger guys to draft that they can cover. So you need an inside linebacker that can cover in today's NFL. There's no, I always think about, you know, I remember LeVon Kirkland was inside linebacker in the Steelers three, four defense for years. And the reason I remember him, he was an all pro and he was great. But the reason I remember him is he was almost 300 pounds and could run, but he was this big, huge kind of old school run stopping inside linebacker. And there's not modern day NFL. You have to be able to do both or else the good coordinators and the good coaches are going to absolutely pick you apart. And the Seahawks have not one, but two inside linebackers who can get picked apart at any point in time. Mm -hmm. And I know I've said this 30 times on, on the Seahawks 360, but like, you can't just keep hitting your head against the wall and doing the same darn thing over and over and over again. You think so? so. <laughs> I, I don't know. I I, so. I think it's a no-brainer to let Jordan Brooks go. And I like Jordan Brooks, but it's Jordan Brooks or Bobby Wagner. And at this point in time, if Wagner's costing you five mil and Brooks is costing you 15 or yeah. 14, that's an easy decision to make, right? Right. Use one of those third-round picks find a fast rangy inside linebacker to pair next to Wagner, have Wagner teach him everything he knows, mentor him. And then eventually towards the end of the year, that that's the inside linebacker that's on the field in nickel. It's not Wagner. It's the young kid that got that, that has the physical ability to cover running backs and tight ends and has been under the tutelage of Wagner long enough to start to be able to be that middle linebacker on the field by himself. It you know? comes to the coaching staff realizing Cause they could have did that this year. Totally. They could have put Devin. I'm not, I'm not a huge Devin Bush fan. I know people, yeah. some people hate him, but I do think he can cover better than anybody else in that linebacker room. Mm-hmm. And so I think they could have made the decision to even Brooks actually did pretty well in coverage overall this year. I mean, considering his history relative to his history, he did very well in coverage this past year. I think they could have made the decision to put Brooks in those situations in nickel and they just didn't. Right. So why would they change now? Because he didn't win. You didn't win. You went nine and eight. You didn't make the playoffs. You have to change a lot, right? What you've, what you've been doing is proven to be wrong and proven to not work. You got to do something, you got to do something different. Right. Um, And then the last thing for me on the defense is, well, a two things, a, I love what this defensive line potentially looks like. Mm -hmm. 
I love this defensive line, and I'm including the edges with that. But I think the defensive depth. line is fun, it's strong, it's stout, it's tough. It's not the issue um, totally with the running game. I think there are other issues with the running against the running game. But replacing that Jamal Adams role, right? Finding another safety who's not a liability. And I know Julian Love had some good games, but I don't think Julian Love is necessarily the answer. I think that will complete the secondary. That and a third corner will complete the secondary in a way that it becomes, you know, potentially the best secondary in the NFL. You just have, you have these tweaks that you have these little tiny tweaks, right? That can make this team great. Do you think Dan Reed can duplicate? I don't, think, I don't think you, I don't think he has to. I think if you get 90% of what he did this year, you're still in a really good spot. Um, okay. yeah, I think they do need another interior defensive lineman. Um, because if you have Williams Reed and, and Jones, but then you add someone else to rotate in, then you're in a, again, one of those third round picks, you find some big plugger, you know, run stopping sort of interior player who's physical, I think that makes a big difference. But again, it's not, I'm not saying you got to go out and sign a a perennial all pro and Seahawks have no talent. These are small tweaks. Finding a second safety in the NFL, modern day NFL is not super difficult, right? Mm -hmm. Finding a linebacker that can cover, you know, they're super valuable, but that's why you're so good at John Snyder. So good as a GM, he has the ability to find what he's looking for. Yep. Drafting drafting NFL caliber, you know, guards is not the most difficult thing in the world. And so these are tweaks that I think can happen. But again, it goes back to you need a coach who's going to be able to implement new systems and change his stripes at 73, what will be 73 years old. Yeah. That's the ask, right? That's the big mountain to climb. That's the big ask. Yep. Mm-hmm. 100%. 100%. 100%. All right. Well, you've talked to me a little bit off the ledge. Um, I'm standing I'm on the bridge. <laughs> um, yep. I'm, I'm not committed. To, I'm not going to jump. I'm just going, I'm going to make a picnic here. You're peeking. <laughs> You're peeking over the edge right now. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. <laughs> All right, Tino. Well, it's really, it's really been a great season. I'm, I'm glad that you, you know, joined on with me. It's, it's been great, great talk about with you. Uh, why don't you tell people where they can find you? And, and I'm not sure. Um, well, I'll, I'll let you get into your, your spill and I'll get into mine. All right. So you can find me on Twitter at Tino Junior 20, T-I-N-O-J-R-2-0. That's my personal account. I always have links to the Sports Ethos Mariners cast, uh, my Seattle Mariners uh, baseball podcast. I also have links on my personal account to some of the fantasy baseball stuff I do on my own. Um, yes, there's lots going on. Uh, super excited about that. And then the Ethos Mariners account is E-T-H-O-S-M-A-R-I-N-E-R-S on Twitter. Um, But Seattle sports, fantasy baseball, all those things. um, I love this time of year. I recorded a a fantasy baseball podcast with three buddies of mine last night. Um, Today we're doing the Mariners cast or the Seahawks 360. Tomorrow I'm doing a, a, a Mariners cast. Uh, tomorrow, I'm also doing a fantasy baseball, minor league baseball players podcast. Like this is podcast season for me. Um, <laughs> yes, I do work. I do have another job, but but this, <laughs> for me, this is a, a blast and and keeps me motivated. And I just I don't know. Um, we're lucky to have sports. We're lucky to have uh, the Seahawks. And this, I have to say, Candice, I've had a, a a blast doing this with you this season. Um, it's really filled a void for me as far as you know my Seahawks. Uh, fan experience and um, I look forward to this off season and, and to you and your family, good health. I know you guys have some fun stuff coming along the way, but yeah, it's been, it's been awesome. It's been really, yeah. really awesome. I've had a blast with you. Most definitely. Most definitely. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in that line, also I've sort of been waiting to the end to go ahead and announce, but I'm expecting, so I'm expecting to have a baby here in March. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I will say to my sports ethos fan base, the, the, the off season will be a lot slower. I, I really last year, I felt I was proud of my draft coverage and sort of having some live streams and some breakdowns. I gotta be honest, guys, I probably can't do that this off season. Mm-hmm. It's too close. I think the draft is like March 20, I mean, April 24th or something like that. And I would have had my baby like 
ideally March 17th. So it's going to be tough for me to get a ton of draft coverage in the way that I want to this year. Um, but I promise I will deep dive in that because something I, I really did enjoy it was the deep dive in the draft coverage. I just sort of have to make a commitment to my family. But what I think that we can do is throughout the season, as updates come in and as news comes in and as signings happen, you know, me and Tino can hop up on here and talk about those things. So you'll still hear from us in the off season. This will be a, a a lot more of a hiatus than it was before, I think. Um, but like I said, it's only temporary. Just let me get my bearings and my rhythm with my new baby. <laughs> and, we'll, and then we'll be able to get some consistent offseason content because I really did enjoy. I think it was actually one of my favorite parts of the season was doing a lot of that draft coverage and things like that last offseason. Mm-hmm. So, anywho, do be sure to follow the show um, because we we are. It's such a strange offseason for me. A lot of announcements, updates will go out on the on the page. So follow us at Ethos Seahawks. Again, follow Tino. Um, he's got some great stuff going. He'll definitely keep you going with Mariner stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so we appreciate him. I'm really grateful for you, Tino. Really appreciate having you on here. It's been it's made this uh really a lot more of a I mean I enjoyed the experience before, but it's a lot more engaging. Just fun to talk, you know, debates with somebody. So anywho follow the show guys and I think as we close as always go hot